Hello and welcome to another edition of The Ordinary Elite with me, John McGovern, and my fellow solicitor advocate, Mike Daly. And on this edition, we ask, does Scotland have a problem with political satire? And Mike, this is a question that you posed uh, in your uh, weekly uh, Evening Times, Glasgow Times column, yeah. only yesterday in a piece I read, which I thought was uh, really good. Uh, and, you know, uh, I wonder whether you wanted to just uh, develop that and uh, some of the ideas that you mentioned, because as far as I can see, Mike, there's not a lot of uh, political satire going about in, in uh, Scotland. Well, no, I appreciate that, John. And I have had some good feedback from some people actually about the column, which which is always really you know gratefully appreciated, um, especially when it's a subject that's quite close to certainly close to my heart, and I know it's close to your heart. <clears throat> and really, just to give the background for for our listeners in terms of how did this all kind of become an issue in Scotland uh, in terms of political satire? Not that we've had very much of it, John. Let's be honest. And so a couple of weeks ago, we got a little bit, um, <clears throat> you know, and and I say yes, of course. We get the odd cartoon sketch in our uh, newspapers, and and uh, and sometimes there's sketch writers, you know, in terms of newspapers that do a kind of a a more kind of like you know comedic, um, you know, uh, account of say FMQs. Although one may argue, and I think you said this last week yourself, John, you don't really need to do that because FMQs is a bit comedic <laughs> at, the, at the best of times. So what really happened um, a couple of weeks ago? BBC Radio Scotland launched. Uh, I think it was the second series of its satirical show, Noising Up, um, and it posted on social media, uh, on Twitter, uh, uh, or X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, um, satirical cartoons of Scottish politicians. Um, now, I should say, all of the major political leaders in Scotland, you know, Anas Sauer, um, the, the Conservative leader, um, First Minister, Lib Dems uh, were all included, <clears throat> but also included uh, was the Greens minister, uh, Lorna Slater. And so the, the one cartoon involving Lorna Slater, uh, I think, was called Limo Lorna. And um, the character the caricature introduced herself as the Minister for Green Skills, uh, Circular Economy, Biodiversity, uh, Short Haul Flights and Maple Syrup and um, went on to say, um, join me for my new streaming series, Lorna Slater's Great Green Limousine Journeys, <laughs> where I'll be I'll be changing my climate um, uh, from Holyrood to Stretch Limo uh, on a 3,000-mile taxpayer-funded journey around Scotland. Uh, now, you may remember that before this all happened, there was some bit of a brouhaha in terms of Lorna Slater uh, charting a private boat. You remember when she visited the yeah. Isle of Rum? I think that cost yes. the, the Scottish taxpayer about £1,200. She could have got the local uh, ferry, but no, uh, there was a, a chartered boat. So there's a kind of an element, <clears throat> if, you think of, if you think about this, John, what is political satire? Well, it's generally uh, the art of using humour, irony or sarcasm to examine factual circumstances. So it's generally based on some factual position. And I guess the factual position in terms of um, uh, Lorna Slater was this kind of, you know, the juxtaposition, uh, you know, how, how incongruous it is to have uh, the use of, uh, you know, chauffeur-driven cars uh, and, to, and to, you know, uh, hire your own uh, boat. 
<clears throat> so I think that's the kind of factual matrix. Clearly, the, the irony, the sarcasm is applied to that. But what was quite astonishing, um, and this I think kind of sort of concludes the kind of where we've got to here, was that the response to a fairly, I think, you know, fairly innocuous kind of, um, you know, set of little, you know, few, you know, num numbers of seconds cartoons on social media was astonishing. Uh, there was outrage. Uh, the Culture Minister for Scotland, Christina McKelvey, branded uh, the uh, satirical cartoon with respect to Miss Slater as dreadful, while the Equalities Minister, Emma Roddick, uh, called it unnecessarily nasty. The Green MSP, Mark Russell, perhaps disclosing that he doesn't really have any sense of humour, John, said, what's funny about needing a car to do your job? Well, <laughs> well, yeah. there's nothing funny about that. I mean, you, you might want to ask a lot of the people that are no longer able to be taxi drivers uh, in, in our major cities um, because of uh, uh, green policies that were introduced. Um, who knows? But nevertheless, I think, I think what I take from this particular episode is that the moment you get a tiny little bit of satire in Scotland, it's immediately met with complete opposition from the governing uh, 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 political class. You know, so the Scottish Greens, the SNP, ministers in the Scottish government all uh, ask for this to be ultimately, you know, uh, uh, they, 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 you know, they, 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 they come at this and say, this is, this is just not acceptable, um, and it's pulled. I mean, what's, what's your thoughts on that? Well, Mike, uh, as you uh, said in your piece that I alluded to uh, at, the, at the opening there in the in the time, in the Glasgow Times, satire essentially is speaking truth to power, and. Uh, yeah. If it's not acceptable in a, a democracy to speak truth to power, then, you know, uh, we should start worrying. And, you know, you mentioned th th this uh, resistance, and it's political. You know, these are all politicians that you've mentioned, Mike, that are resisting yeah. uh, and, and, and speaking out against that uh, Lorna Slater sketch. Uh, and I'm not sure it's a part that... Uh, in terms of devolution is a particularly new thing because in your piece, Mike, you mentioned great satirical TV programmes, that some of which were before my time and your time, but some of which we grew up with. Uh, you mentioned that was the week that was, which is maybe possibly in terms of television, the, yes. the, 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 the catalyst for political satire. Monty Python, you know. Uh, you mentioned spitty, Spitting Image, which was just brilliant. It was just a, a prime time. It got huge viewing figures, and it, it, it satirised the political establishment via puppets. I mean, it was it was brilliant. And uh, Have I Got News For You is probably one of the BBC's longest-running programmes, and it's now prime time Friday night, again, satirising the political establishment. And, uh, you know, we, we don't have anything really like that uh, in Scotland. And one of the uh, kind of voiceover, one of the contributors to Spitting Image was uh, Rory Bremner. And you might recall, Mike, just prior to devolution, the kind of issues that, sorry, prior to the independence referendum, the kind of issues that we are touching on, Rory Bremner uh, came up to Scotland and tried to kind of address them in the format of a comedy show. 
uh, and he came, was asking the question, you know, there's not much political satire here. And at that time, uh, or maybe maybe just before then, he had been doing Bremner, Bird and Fortune, which was a, a, an absolutely brilliant uh, politically uh, political satire show on, on, on Channel 4. I mean, it was it was so uh, cutting. And he came up and he tried to, to kind of do a programme in Scotland. And this was in 2013, Mike. And I was just looking at the kind of... Uh, the hoo-ha that surrounded that. And there's yeah. a, a, a Labour MP who you'll probably remember at that time for Glasgow South West called Ian Davidson. Yeah, I know Ian. Yeah. And he, so he was, he, so although this was a, a kind of a, a programme, a, a satirical programme that Rory Bemner was proposing about Scottish uh, politics, devolution, Hollywood, etc. Davidson, who was a Westminster MP at the time, said, and this, this is just incredible when you look at it, he says, we don't want any stuck-up public schoolboys coming north and mocking us. The fact that you're Scottish may allow you to get away with it, but presumably you're part of that tribe where an expensive education was spent making sure you did not sound Scottish. The people would be quite happy to be mocked by their own. Wow. And that might, for me, that's astonishing, isn't it? I mean, he's, he's, he's basically saying this, this uh, Labour MP at the time, that uh, you can't laugh at the political establishment in Scotland unless you're basically poor or working class, whichever way he seems to perceive it, and Scottish. I mean, it's incredible. And if you think about those programmes, Mike, that I've just mentioned, uh, you know, Monty Python, for example, that was the week that was. These were, yeah. these a, a large part of these television programmes were created by people who had been educated in the public schools in, in, in England, who saw the kind of establishment for, for from the inside, lampooned it, you know, really satirised it, you know, took the, the, the rib out of it for years and years, very successfully. And uh, you know, I for one, growing up in in, in Glasgow and, and and my and my pals at school, we we thought they were hilarious, you know. And it wasn't a class thing for us. It wasn't that how dare these English kind of public school educated guys like John Cleese or or Peter Cook or or, or such like. How dare they 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 satirise the the British establishment? We didn't see it that way at all. And therefore, uh, you know, the 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 issue of Lorna Slater. Uh, for me, just kind of uh, epitomises a, a bit of a problem that's not new uh, in terms of Scottish politics, in terms of devolution, Mike. Well, it's a really interesting context, John, that you've placed our discussion in because I, I, um, I, I, th I certainly couldn't remember uh, the incident involving Mr. Davidson, um, who was the the local uh, MP for Govan um, until, of course, he lost. I think I think the constituency boundaries changed. And I think he ended up losing the selection to Mohammed Sarwar, who then became the first uh, Muslim uh, MP in the United Kingdom, uh, as I recall. But that, I mean, it's really it's really important that you raise that point because obviously this is something that seems to 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 have been around for a little while in terms of the difficulties that Scotland seems to have with political satire. And it's interesting, and you mention. Um, you know, or does it have to be class-based? Well, I don't think something being funny has any kind of relevance in terms of, as, as you know, of the person's race, their uh, their class, their gender, their their whatever. 
Um, I agree. And I think um, there's a great tradition in terms of, um, you know, social commentary and, and political satire uh, involving people from all different backgrounds. I mean, one can think of going back to, let's say, the 70s uh, and, you know, Richard Pryor, um, who's absolutely astonishingly... Um, uh, you know, effective in terms of his commentary, in terms of civil rights, in terms of hypocrisy, in terms of the way that Afro African Americans were treated, and and just kind of really being completely fantastic, exposing all of these hypocrisies. So, um, I mean, I I I think back to, for example, um, that was the week that was, and the reason that I first became aware of this before I did a law degree, I did a degree in politics. And that was something that we we examined because that program was actually incredibly important in terms of British politics, you know, because it really was the first sort of attempt, you know, to kind of really use the TV medium as a way to, you know, to to hold uh, politicians to account in terms of shining a light on on their uh, on on hypocrisy and and so on. And of course, it made the career of David Frost. You remember that David Frost then went on to do even bigger things. Do you remember when he did the Frost against Nixon interviews? Yeah. And, of course, Nixon yeah. thought it was just going to be a doddle. And it turned yeah. out to be an absolute yeah. kind of, you know, yeah. almost a, well, an iconic moment where, you know, Nixon was exposed and yep. was just a shadow uh, of, of himself. So, you know, the power of, 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 of you know, using, um, whether it's political satire or using, you know, the media... Uh, to hold politicians to account, uh, as you say, to you know, speak truth to power. I mean, ultimately, it's so important. And yet, do we have that in Scotland? If we're honest, I mean, it, it, if you if you think about it, Mike, you mentioned that was the week that was okay, and then uh, perhaps less politically, but certainly very satirically, uh, Monty Python. Uh, and then we've mentioned spit in the rage and have I got news for you. So for me, uh, there's a common denominator with all of these TV shows. And we're talking about, I'm, I'm, I'm at the moment just talking about TV satire. And that is that, uh, so uh, have I got news for you? That was the week that was Monty Python were all BBC. And as you know, the BBC is funded by, you know, licensed fee payers. We fund sure. it. Uh, it operates in a charter from the government, uh, but it's not owned by the government. It's not run by the government. It's independent of the government. And I know there's various debates about that that have been had over the years and the Conservative Party in particular trying to exercise more control over the BBC. But essentially, as these programmes show, it's, it's completely independent of the political processes or, or the uh, political establishment. And Spitting Image was ITV, which again yeah. is independent. It's it's uh, independent television. It, it was it would be funded presumably uh, as a program by advertising revenue and such like. And you know, we we don't kind of have that here. I mean, if you wanted, for example, if you or I wanted to uh, say write a play, a satirical play about uh, Hamza Yusuf, okay. If you wanted, you know, let's let's call it Hamza Dinger just for the the, the sake of, uh, of of conversation, and uh, you know, you write that play. Uh, what where do you go with that in in, in Scotland? Because there's no uh, independent uh, Scottish TV network that's funded by Scottish licence fee taxpayers for Scotland, uh, and 
you say, well, I want to put this play on, for example, it's a political satire about the most powerful man in the country. Uh, it lampoons him, you know, it has a laugh at his expense, as most or, or all political satire really should do. And, you know, you say to a theatre, I'd like to put it on, and then that's where, you're, that's where you start, you know, your problems begin. You've got to presumably hire the theatre, you've got to pay people, you've got to get money to do all of that. How do you get the money in Scotland to do it? And I don't really know because I've never done it, but I'm presuming you have to go to Creative Scotland, well, you know, to get, who, who fund. Uh, I mean, it's incredible the the range of the arts, and it's good in one sense that they fund uh, and that they support. But Creative Scotland itself, as an organisation, is funded by the National Lottery and, to a greater degree, the Scottish government. I, I think, and, John. You know, I so, think, yeah. No, I, th I think you've I think you've put your finger on something here. Which is, you know, it's not just the fact that Scotland is, you know, I don't know, tenth or eleventh the size and population of the rest of the UK. It's not just that. It's much more complicated, isn't it? It's a combination of our kind of critical mass in terms of a, you know, a, a, a small country with a lot of history, <clears throat> but equally the amount of public bodies and quangos that are ultimately, you know, involved very, very deeply in Scottish civic life. And actually, if you look at the, the relative proportion of that, it's very, very high. And if you then come back to your point about, well, hang on, what ministerial influence is there over that? Well, I'll tell you, huge influence over that, which means how could you ever get something that was politically, you know, political satire with respect to a serving uh, First Minister or indeed member of the Scottish Government um, through some, um, you know, uh, infrastructure that ultimately uh, had public money somewhere in the, in, in you know, in its network, which which would then mean that ultimately the Scottish Government could do something about it in terms of not necessarily overtly or expressly, but the way these things work, John, is that, you know, a nod and a wink and, and, and these things can and these things can be conveyed. And I think it raises a really important point because you then think about, well, what about private uh, entities? Well, again, not that many. Uh, if you look at, for example, Scottish television, um, you know, it, it, it obviously relies as well on advertising from not just the Scottish government, from all sorts of bodies that are either non-executive departments or non-ministerial departments or independent quangos that are funded by uh, uh, ultimately the Scottish Government are, are under their auspices. So if we're brutally honest, <clears throat> that could help explain why there's not a lot of uh, political satire uh, alive and well in Scotland. It's pretty grim. And actually, I think it probably explains why the small attempt... Now, you may say you the, the noising up BBC Radio Scotland um, you know, social media cartoons weren't funny. You know, but funny subjective, John. You might think something's funny. I might think it's not. Who cares? Um, they were certainly satirical. They were certainly poking fun at potential, you know, ironies, potential kind of hypocrisies. You may defend that. You may say, well, that's not quite right. But nevertheless, there was there was something there, I think, that certainly met the very low threshold of saying, yeah, this is certainly political satire. Whether you like it or not, it's another issue. What happened to it? After the uh, uh, Scottish Government ministers expressed their disdain towards it, well, the BBC sucked it back up the pipe. 
it's still there, I think, in the show, in terms of the radio show, but the actual little cartoons that were that 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 were out there on social media, they have all been deleted. I think that speaks so, so badly for the health of our democracy in Scotland. Does it, John, does it say to us that that Scottish politics is perhaps too immature to handle political satire? Or indeed, is it the case that maybe Scottish politicians are too thin-skinned? Well, well, generally speaking, Mike, I tend to think in life that if you can't laugh at yourself, you know, or most people who can't laugh at themselves essentially are insecure people. And, uh, you know, so if you continue that analogy, then, you know, you might have a point. But without being too... God, I don't know what the word is, but without being, you know, digging too deeply, you mentioned in your article, and, and on this point about a kind of emerging democracy, you mentioned, Mike, uh, Aristophanes in your uh, piece in the Evening Times, yeah. and uh, he was a, an ancient Greek uh, playwright. He wrote, he wrote comedies and, and satirical comedies. And I remember a few years ago, a kind of lawyer pal of mine, gave me one of his plays uh, called The Wasps. Now, I hope he's not listening, incidentally, because I've, I've never given him a, <laughs> I've never given him a plan. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and I remember reading it, and it, it's, I, don't, I, I won't uh, go into it in too much detail, but it's basically, it, it was written in the 5th century BC or BCE, so that's like 2,500 years ago. Yeah. And it's when the kind of bodies, I won't call them institutions in ancient Greece, because they, they were just emerging. But the the bodies that would that would kind of define and 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 kind of govern, if you like, uh, society at that time were just emerging. That the the democratic assembly and uh, trial by jury, and the play is basically about it's a farce. It's about a a, a juror uh, who you know was addicted to jury service, basically. And uh, it's it's kind of laugh out loud funny because jurors at that time were seen very much as politicians are seen now. They were paid, but if you were really successful in life, they weren't paid enough for you to want to become a juror, which was voluntary, but you get paid for jury service. But if you were poor, then the fee that you got for being a, a juror was attractive enough. And, and I, I thought that resonated really <laughs> uh, tightly with a lot of the kind of political class that we have in Scotland at the moment. But the play itself is set at a time where there's 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 a kind of uh, conflict between the Athenians and the Spartans. And when I was reading it, I brought I dug it out, Mike, after I read your article yesterday. I dug out my copy, and, I, and there's an introduction to the copy. And I don't know who wrote it in the cop in the, the the particular version I've got. I just wanted to quickly read this out because this this is this is a this is a satire written at a point where democracy is emerging in ancient Greece. Okay, and uh, it says after nine years of war, the disadvantages of these institutions were making themselves clearly felt. Not that many Athenians dreamed of blaming the system itself. To do so was to brand oneself as a traitor to democracy, a conspirator, a monarchist. Such movements did exist, but they commanded little support as yet. So that puts a yeah. context on that that kind of that kind of satirical comedy, basically saying. That these institutions of government were emerging, there were playwrights writing satirical kind of verses uh, about them and, and effectively taking the piss out of them, but they weren't met with much uh, kind of encouragement by the established class in Athens. And I just thought, wow, 
You know, that is that's almost exactly where we are in terms of the the kind of uh, uh, growth, if you like, of devolution and the the evolution of, of of Scottish politics in the last twenty five years. Are we too scared, effectively, to have a laugh at the people that are in power? Well, I mean, it's interesting, John, um, because at least going back two thousand five hundred years to ancient uh, Athens. Um, the you know political satire was alive and well, and uh, it was being used to expose the absurdity, uh, the greed you know of warmongers, of profiteers, of people um, who um, who were basically abusing power. Um, and 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 you know, if you think, well, you know, go forward a few hundred years to say 18th century England, and what you find is a really, really strong, proud tradition of political satire. And that was through cartoons. Now, often the father of the modern political cartoon um, has been said to be James Gilray. And, of course, Gilray would expose the hypocrisy and ill deeds of the then Prince Regent, later uh, to become King George IV. Uh, And, John, there's there's a fantastic cartoon said to be one of Gilray's most powerful political satires uh, of uh, uh, King George uh, the Fourth. This was in 1792, uh, voluptuary under the horrors of digestion. And what you then have is the Prince Regent as a rotund, greedy, debt-ridden, bloated narcissist. Um, and think about that, John. <laughs> there's, there's like the head of the royal family in 1792 been absolutely lampooned. And do you know what's funny about that? It said that the the, the Prince Regent actually quite liked Gilray's works and bought over a hundred of his cartoons, uh, even although they completely made a mockery of him. Um, He was clearly, you know, um, uh, able to take take the rough with the smooth. And and I find that that absolutely uh, hilarious. It's it's quite interesting that... um, so successful was James Gilray um, that as the years went by, he used to kind of do ridicules of uh, Pitt, the Prime Minister, William Pitt. Um, <laughs> and then the Conservatives put him on the payroll. Get into this. And he became, he, his cartoons of Pitt um, made Pitt look like a colossus of roads with his uh, rival, James John Fox, under his foot. Uh, he was on the payroll, so he sold out as the years went by. I guess he needed the money, John. Of course, you've touched yeah. upon you've touched upon that idea of how powerful the payroll can be in terms of keeping one one's uh, opinions uh, to oneself, uh, or to just simply nodding along to whatever uh, 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 those in power uh, decree. So, um, I, I suppose I I come at all of this from the point of view beyond any any possible uh, reasonable doubt that political satire i think i would contend is an essential component of democracy you know i think it's that important and i do think and you touched upon this at the outset of our discussion john it is about speaking truth to power and that whole concept of 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 shining a light um and doing that by using absurdity hypocrisy humor or just simply saying this is this is this is the truth. That's been used obviously throughout the ages. One can think about the Quakers 
used it in the 50s as a political strategy that was non-violent. Before then, you had Mahatma Gandhi, uh, who started off, from, you'll recall, as a lawyer. Uh, he developed uh, his his uh, truth force, uh, which I think was uh, uh, called Sachin Graha. Uh, and that was about just basically telling people what the position was in terms of India with respect to the colonial power of, of, of Britain and just nailing everything that was going on and being absolutely candid about it. And, of course, that approach was adopted by Dr. Martin Luther King in terms of the civil rights movement in, in the US in the 60s, and, of course, Nelson Mandela to uh, Mandela um, in South Africa, you know, when he, um, when he fought against apartheid, uh, from you know Robben Island prison was then released and was remarkably uh, a unifying force by by saying look let's let's have I think what's interesting about Mandela was about reconciliation you know because there was a lot of things that were dishonest you know a lot of the truth was not told so I just think that political satire for me John underpinning that is this whole principle of speaking truth to power and using different tools to 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 illuminate these these kind of um hypocrisies um and without it um how can we be a serious mature political democracy yeah i, I agree with with that mike it's really a brilliant kind of a uh, summation of it all and if you think about scotland at the moment or the scottish political kind of uh uh, situation at the moment it's so ripe for satire isn't it I mean uh, you've got a you, you, I mean the former first minister of this country uh, stood trial at a high court charged with various offences for which he was acquitted I mean where else in the world uh, certainly in the, the kind of what's you know dubbed as the western democratic world where else has that happened in our lifetime, I mean, you're struggling to, to name one country, but we had it here. Uh, his own QC uh, and cross-examination in the trial, you know, and, and refuting the, the the evidence, the allegations was, was suggested to one witness that it was just sleepy cuddles. You know, this is the same QC. This is the same QC who then on the train home one night called his client an arsehole. <laughs> Well, <laughs> and then, and you know, so you, you mean that there, there, there's a starter for ten. You know, his successor then has to resign because <laughs> her husband is fine camper vans, or, or as he maybe he's not, you know, or is under investigation for camper vans and household items being purchased. Now, you know, and I mean, it's just <laughs> there's there's not you could you could you could you could write some really funny good oh. uh, comedy and satire around that. But hey, you know, non-existent doesn't happen. Well, you know, it, uh, you know what's interesting, John. Um, you're absolutely right. I mean, there is there is no shortage of material in Scottish politics. Yeah. I mean, you've 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 sum, yeah. summarised it so much there. Do, do, do you remember, Mike? The member, uh, the, the, the the Tory leader Douglas Ross, uh, who's also a linesman. Yes. Uh, and and he was he was running the line at some a big match. I can't remember which match it was. Uh, and he and he slipped and, and fell on his his arse basically, which is which is unusual, you know, in a football match. But when it happens, it's hilarious, you know. People just just going to be laughed at, and no one's <laughs> going to take you seriously for the rest of the game. 
And Humza tweeted, you know, because this was filmed on TV, it was the game was on TV, and Humza tweeted something to the effect, you know, can't wait to see the highlights of the football and, you know, Douglas Ross going in his backside or whatever. Then, of course, a couple of weeks later, <laughs> Humza is, uh, you know, he's done something wrong with his ankle or whatever it was. And you know that corridor that all the politicians walk down before they get yeah, into the chamber? Yeah. You know that kind of, Aye. you know, they walk and they love it and the camera's out at the end. They all know they're on camera, you know. And, and Humza, instead of just instead of just taking a, 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 a crutch or whatever it was, you know, to, to, to walk along, he takes a scooter, remember yeah. that? Yeah, I do. What does he do? What does he do? He goes in his arse, right? Yeah. And this isn't long after he had been kind of uh, laughing at Douglas Ross. So people have a laugh at that and tweet about that. Yeah. But Humza pushes back on it. Remember, he said that this wasn't funny, and you know I broke my ankle, and you really you laugh at that. It's misfortune, and you're just like that. Oh, for God's sake, you know, <laughs> you know you were trying well, to show off. You're trying to show off, and you get caught out. Let's have a laugh, you know. Well, you see, it's this whole thing, John, about different rules. So different rules for Westminster politicians. We could all laugh at them but not yeah. for Scottish politicians. And you know what's funny? Just kind of coming back to the original, you made the point about, oh, imagine if somebody wanted to kind of do a new series or play or, or show or whatever. It is interesting that we do have one of the greatest uh, political satire um, writers um, in in possibly in possibly in the Western world, actually, certainly in the UK. And that's an old school buddy of yours, Armando Anucci, who went to school... As I believe, uh, is it Tom's? Eh? I I think he he um he, he certainly he, he was at St Thomas. He was at St Thomas Aquinas, and he left to go to St Aloysius. Aye, so he he you know Glaswegian, um, beautiful, brilliant political satire writer. Think about the thick of it, you know, absolutely uh, brilliant show, which is now kind of. The irony of the thick of it is that when you used to watch that show, you would think that's just you know that's taken it too far, you know. And actually no. now now we've 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 surpassed having had Boris Johnson and Liz Truss. We've surpassed no. the thick of it ultimately. But but no. just coming back to the the Scottish politicians, I mean we've no. probably surpassed you know several times over the the kind no. of stuff that was going on in that. Um, that political satire, and yet, so we do have the talent in Scotland. You know, we've got we've got these brilliant uh, writers, um, mm. but yet nobody seems to be doing, you know, um, Scottish political satire. And the only attempt we've had in the last few weeks um, was met with such uh, uh, a calamity. Um, it's now yeah. kind of gone. So all we can really say is, John, let's hope. Um, that we can get some more political satire in Scotland. Um, we do have the by-election coming up, uh, <laughs> Brother Glenn and West Hamilton. There must be some material in that. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah, well, we'll see. See what, <laughs> see what emerges. See right. what emerges, Mike. Okay, well, let's just hope, okay. John, that somebody's going to get into a wee bit more political satire to give us a wee bit of a laugh. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And... and uh, as you say, speak speak truth to power. Absolutely, and, and it's not you know it's that that's so important. But uh, yeah, fingers crossed, Mike. Brilliant. Thank you, John. All the best. Okay, Mike. Take care. Bye Cheers bye. now. Bye.